You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 830 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Monday evening into Tuesday morning. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. I want to go ahead and take a second to note right now, this is not a Hawks podcast uh, today. I do I did some Hawks stuff yesterday. I will have Hawks stuff tomorrow, etc. But I feel like it was a good time to take a day, talk about the NBA Finals as they loom on Wednesday. And joining me to do that is Robbie Callum of Up Rocks and Dime, good friend of the program. I do want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, as well as catching up on all of our draft stuff, our free agency stuff, our mini camp coverage that we've been doing the last week or so. There's more of that to come later on this week, but there you go on that. Please go ahead and do all of that stuff, and I greatly appreciate all of the patronage and support. One note before we get to Robbie, I had to record this on a different setup, so the audio is not quite as good as usual, so my apologies on that. We'll be back to recording in our normal place moving forward. I just had some work challenges. We were actually covering football in that moment and I couldn't record my normal setup. Anyway, my apologies for all of that, but I want to make sure I got, I got you guys the podcast in a timely manner. So there you go. Please forgive me and we'll be back again uh, with more tomorrow on the show. But without further delay, here is Robbie Calland. Robbie, thank you as always for joining me on the podcast. How are we feeling on this Monday evening? Oh, you know, pretty good. Um, looking forward to this finals. I think it's going to be a good one, even if, you know, kind of like how some of these series have gone, they've been good, even if they don't go super deep. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think it's going to be a good series looking ahead, obviously, to Lakers and Heat. And, you know, I, I guess before we dive into the series that's coming, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, I guess almost, almost sort of broadly, what, what, like, what kind of takeaways you have from the conference finals? Because, you know, obviously the Lakers – made relatively quick work of the Nuggets, but it was more competitive than that um, at times. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was kind of surprising, at least to me, that Boston kind of died in game six against Miami. But at the same time, Miami um, outscored them for the series, and it wasn't like that. That felt like the wrong result. So do you have any you know broad takeaways from those two series and that's sort of how we got here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, for Miami, I mean, they just kept doing what they've been doing, which is – they just out execute you over the course of a ball game. And uh, especially in the fourth quarter, I mean, they're the best fourth quarter team in the playoffs by a lot. Um, I was looking through there. I think their, their net rating in the fourth quarter is like plus 17.8. And the next best was I think Denver at 11.6 with all of the stuff they were able to do. in the first couple series, it's just, you know, I, I wrote about this today um, for Dime, and it, it's just I, I'm I'm going to be fascinated going going forward into this series because they have done a great job of applying significant pressure to their opponents in the fourth quarter, both sides of the ball. And what we've seen with Milwaukee and what we saw with Boston is some of the same playoff doubts, some of those playoff demons from the past creep into the minds of these guys. And you could kind of see those players tightening up and you could almost see like, Oh no, here we go again. As shots started not falling. I don't think that's going to be the case with the Lakers. If for no other reason, 
they don't have a, a whole lot of like playoff reps together. So there's not any bad experiences to lean on. And on top of that, you have LeBron James, who in a similar vein to how Jimmy Butler has kind of instilled his mentality into that team. It's a LeBron led team. Jimmy said after, uh, after game six, like this is the ultimate test. This is the test that every winning team in the NBA has had to go through for the past decade, a LeBron led team. It's because those LeBron teams, they don't quit. You have to out execute them and you have to outplay them to win. They're not going to melt in the same way that necessarily Milwaukee did. Or like you said, in game six, Boston just fell apart towards the end. And you could kind of see that frustration growing as shots didn't fall and turnovers started to pick up and you could feel like they were pressing. Miami's thrived on that because they just keep doing what they do. Uh, And I think the most impressive thing is this is a team that, that coming into the playoffs, what did everybody talk about is the three point shooting. Uh, They've been great getting to the rim. Goran Dragic has been spectacular. Jimmy Butler, obviously we know what he can do. Tyler Hero, even when he's been able to get going, it's not just because he's caught fire from three. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's getting to the rim. And then you have Bam Adebayo, who is as good a role man and vertical spacer as there is in the league. And I think that is what I'm looking forward to the most in this series is they impose their will on Boston going to the rim. I think they only took 27 three-pointers in game six, and that's on the very low end uh, for what they normally would have done the regular season. But they kind of are adaptable, and I'm interested to see what the Lakers try to take away uh, because we've seen if you really focus, Milwaukee tried to do it early. I think Boston really tried to take away the three-point shot. They're more than willing to adapt and go to the rim. Uh, And I think that's been really impressive to just see the little adjustments to how they run their offense that Eric Spolster has made for the postseason, knowing the game plan from the other team is going to be to try to run them off the three-point line uh, and keep them from bombing you out of the game. On the other – oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to throw in, like, to your point about that, it's not like Miami shot – the ball incredibly well so far in the playoffs. Like they're, they're, no, they're, they're, under, sh- they're, they're under their season average. They're like 35 and a half percent of their league average. Yeah. It's and even individually, you know, Duncan Robinson shooting 40%, but that's actually below where he was in the regular season. Guys like Drog, it's 36% here, 37 and a half, 38 Crowder, 34. Like these guys are shooting about what you would expect them to shoot. Frankly, they're mm-hmm. not going crazy. And if you told me before this, before the playoffs, especially started, um, that Miami wouldn't go nuclear as a shooting team. I think I would have expected them not to make it this far. Obviously, um, you know Agreed. they were they were they were alive they were a live dog in every series. But um, you you would figure, especially when you saw like if you look at the numbers overall for them offensively, they've been awesome. Like the last two series, they've yeah. they have, they've been scoring basically one point one four points per possession yeah. against two of the best teams in the league in Milwaukee and Boston. Like that's really impressive. Well, and and kind of going back to the fourth quarter point they're shooting they're the best shooting team in the fourth quarter from the field at 49 percent. they're only shooting 35 percent from three so like they are finishing incredibly well at the basket and in the mid-range um and it really makes them difficult to defend because when your game plan has when your thought process has been okay we just we just run these guys off the three-point line scramble back they're showing they can, you know, put the ball on the floor and hit pull-up jumpers, whether it's Butler, whether it's Dragic, whether it's Hero, 
Duncan Robinson even was going inside to start game six. That was weird. Um, like this is a guy who like never took two pointers in the regular season. I think he had like four, four makes inside the three point line, uh, three or four. Um, it, it's just, yeah, like their, their adaptability. I think it goes back to having a coach who knows how the playoffs work. You know, I mean, this is, this is kind of the criticism of Bud is that you don't adapt to what you do in the regular season to postseason play. And Spo has done a great job of adapting what they do on both sides of the ball to their opponents and to what the series dictates they need to do. Um, whether it was the zone in the Boston series, which they didn't show much of uh, in the Milwaukee series, because you, you want to wall up. Uh, in a different way against Giannis by having a guy on him at all times and then showing behind. But against Boston, they went to that 2-3 zone and they were really excellent at it. Boston started to figure out, but it still was just hard for them to get the looks that they wanted. And and then, you know, their inability to make a layup in game six drove everybody insane. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it it's just, it's I've been really impressed with what the Heat have done. You know, when we talked about... um that um, when, we, when we talked about this, you know, before the playoffs, it was like, okay, like this is a team that can make some noise. But again, it was, it, it was, I think everybody, even the people who thought the heat could maybe do this, I think it was predicated on them shooting the lights out and that they haven't done that from the three point range, but have remained incredibly efficient. Like you said, uh, is, is pretty incredible. My God, Mahomes is good. Sorry. We're, we're recording this while, while <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, covering football right now as we talk, but um, good place to actually break for a second. Let's go to a, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast. And that is the good folks at rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics to do it yourselfers, but at rockauto.com prices are always the same for everyone. And they're always reliably low. Instead of changing prices on what the market dictates, like, like airlines often do rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need. Just a few easy clicks and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and is not required membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend it twice as much for exactly the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, live below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at DoorDash. You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and somebody else in the group is craving dessert. But fortunately, there's something for everybody on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now directly to your door. And ordering is so very easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with your new contactless delivery setting as DoorDash aims to keep our communities safe. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Puerto Rico. You can support your local go-to restaurants or choose from your favorite national chains. Right now, our listeners will get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more if they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. All right, Robbie, uh, let's keep talking about when Miami has the ball because, you know, we've gotten yeah. into that a little bit. Obviously, they 
you know, the scoring has been really impressive. They're second in assist rate in the playoffs. They really pass the ball at a high level without having like that individually incredible creator passer. They just kind of have everyone pass as well on this team yep. and they limit turnovers as well. Like how does that, how does their approach you think work against this Lakers team? Cause the Lakers of course have big time size. They've been really good on defense all year long. LeBron's bought in on defense. They're leading the league and blo- they're leading the league and block shots in the bubble. Like, you know, what kind of is the approach for Miami to keep this going? Because for all of the strengths that Milwaukee and Boston had defensively, this is sort of a different animal in the way that the Lakers approach it. Yeah, I think I think what's going to be really important is that um, they they do get into secondary action quickly. I think the the thing the Lakers do so incredibly well is they're they're gonna make it really difficult to get your primary play to succeed. Whatever you're trying to do. They're going to try to take away option one um, and really make it difficult on whoever that is. So uh, if if you run a pick and roll with with Dragic and Bam, they're going to do their best to take away that that action and then maybe keep a guy on Robinson. Um, so it, it's going to be incumbent on guys to hit shots. You know, Jay Crowder, uh, Andre Iguodala. Um, I think Kelly Olynyk plays in this series. I think he's going to get minutes. I I I don't know if it's going to be a ton um, because I know the fear there is that when LeBron James is on the floor, he's going to hunt Olynyk in a switch situation. Um, but I think the non-LeBron minutes, I think you're going to see a decent bit of Olynyk just to give a different look. And he's a 40% three-point shooter this year, so that's just an added dynamic that I think. Uh, they didn't go to in, in the Boston series because of the matchups, uh, because it, it was better to roll with somebody like you could get away with rolling with like Iggy at the five and go super switchable, um, which I think was a a big thing for them against uh, that perimeter was having as many switchable guys as you can. So they wanted to go with Iguodala. Uh You don't have to worry about as many creators on on the Lakers um, and worrying about the switch as much, especially if LeBron's off the floor. Uh, so I would expect Olenek to maybe get 10, 12 minutes a game and, and him and Crowder and kind of the, the secondary shooters, uh, they're going to need to knock down shots because, again, they're going to try to take away your primary action. But even off of that, I think it's it's when you catch the ball, don't hold it and let the defense get set again. If you have to kick out and somebody's on you, so it's going to be on – Tyler hero to catch and put it on the deck and go into action immediately because that's the way you get this Laker um, defense moving. I think we saw Denver was able to do it in the, in those moments where Jeremy Grant was really good. That's what he was doing really well was they would, you know, Jokic or Murray, they kind of try to put the wall up on those guys and then kick it out to, to Jeremy Grant. And when Grant would put the ball on the floor and immediately attack kind of towards the middle, you can get into the kind of the soft cushiony spots uh, in this Lakers defense if you do this, but you have to be decisive and it's going to be on guys like uh, Hero and Dragic and Jimmy Butler uh, when they're maybe on the weak side of play action if the ball comes to them to immediately attack again. I think that's going to be really important for Miami uh, along with, like I said, the, those those role guys uh, knocking down the open looks at, at a pretty good clip because – you just have to do it. It's, it's, it's the thing that LA will kind of give you. Um, but I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup um, because like you said, I mean, this is a Lakers defense that has adapted and played multiple styles incredibly well. I mean, you, you think about 
the Portland series, it's all backcourt and centers, you know, and, and so you're dealing with an elite point guard creator in Damian Lillard, a secondary creator in CJ McCollum, and then these two big guys down low in Nurkic and Whiteside. And then you go to all small ball and it took a game, but then they kind of figured out how to approach that and uh, went to a small lineup themselves. And then they go back to playing bigs uh, against Jokic and the Nuggets and their adaptability and their versatility on defense is like you said, I don't think it's something Miami's seen, but Miami certainly has the personnel to, to attack it. And I think that's what is maybe unique to um, what they've seen thus far, because the nice thing about when you have hero and you have Dragic and you have Butler all on the floor, that's, that's three guys that can put it on the floor and create and that's not something we've really seen from a Laker opponent. They're going to have to really move the ball and be crisp. And then you also have the threat of Bam, uh, who's a great screen setter and a great role man, who's going to occupy uh, Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard or whoever and, and try to pull them off of that weak side help. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because obviously the, the supporting guys are going to have to shoot the ball reasonably well. Like Jay Crowder kind of fell off in the last series. That, that's got to circle like as the guy who the Lakers are going to make beat them, I think, or we should try. Every, I um, mean, it's every series. That's, that's, that's the guy yeah. you circle him and Iguodala are the two that you circle and you say, exactly. Let him shoot. And if Iggy shoots five for five, like he did in game six, well, you lose, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's basically what it is. I mean, cause obviously Dragic, Hero, Duncan Robinson are going to get plenty of attention. Dragic has been so good in the playoffs. He's been so like, well. And that's another pivot point in this series is like, you know, I think something that's really interesting is like, we know LeBron and AD are supposed to be the two best players in this series, and they should be. Yes. But how and, – and, and we know Miami kind of has the advantage in, in role guys. But that doesn't matter a ton in these final series when your best guys are playing 40 minutes. The question is – and this is the thing that Dragic and Butler and Bam have been so good at thus far. They have either outplayed the opposing stores or matched them. Um, I, I would say in the Boston series it was probably a matching situation. That's going to yeah. be a task with LeBron and AD, but if they can keep that gap between the productivity and impact that those two have compared to those three, and that's where Dragic is so important, is because what he's been able to do and give them a secondary creator next to Jimmy Butler, who is just great at going downhill. And also, he, they're him and Butler are both really good at drawing fouls. They draw nine fouls per fourth quarter um, as a team, and that's been part of their success. Um and also speaks to them going downhill and attacking the basket more than settling for three-point shots. Uh, I, I'm I'm really interested to see. That's going to be the battle for me. If they're not able to keep that gap close, this is a five-game series. But if they can if they can play those three close to the level of the Lakers too, then then you have a very real series and a, and, and a real chance for Miami. Yeah, I think Dragic Dragic is one of the bigger reasons why they're done with with it. He's not the only reason, oh, yeah. obviously, but. I think he's the most underrated, discussed, no under, under discussed guy. Because obviously, you know, Hero had the huge game; he got a lot of attention. So he's almost got more attention than Dragic, and that's silly. Dra Dragic is much better at this point in time, and Dragic oh, is sure. just playing out of his mind, which has been huge for them. Um, and honestly, I mean, at the end of we, we just talked about the offense for for a long time here when they had the ball. I will say this as a point of transition: 
you know, I, I think Miami is going to be able to score in this series. I have a lot of faith in Miami. I think LA has defense uh, is a good defensive team, but I think the Heat are going to be able to score. I am much more concerned that they are not going to be able to stop the Lakers um, yes. because Miami's defense has kind of not been great in the playoffs overall. A little, it's not a been little leaky at times. A little it's leaky been, at times. Yeah, for sure. it's not been terrible. It's like I think it's like 111 points per 100 possessions, which is pretty bad. The last two series. They've obviously – it hasn't mattered too much, but they have some weak points. You know, your obvious targets like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, um, even Dragic defensively are, yeah. are points of weakness. Um, if they try to play Olenek, if they try to even go to like Myers Leonard, I've heard put out there because of the fact that the Lakers play so big. There, there's some spots where Miami can be beaten uh, defensively. I mean, let's talk about, I guess, both sides of this, but Lakers offense, heat defense, like that, that's mm-hmm. the area where I think this actually – is going to pivot a little bit more. I and mean, that's sort of an obvious sure. thing to say, but I, I just think that it will almost come down to how much um, Miami is able to stop the Lakers, which I, I personally am a little bit skeptical of. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up because I would think that you're going to end up with Bam's going to draw the AD assignment most yeah. of the time, like you, you just have you, to you throw him. <laughs> yeah. You, you just, I mean, well, the, the interesting thing is like, that wasn't the case with the Giannis assignment a lot. Bam was often the help guy behind, um, you know, and they sent Crowder and they sent Iguodala and they sent a lot of different looks at, at Giannis. And it's just I'm hard be, because AD can shoot and Giannis can't, which is right, kind of AD where that can, comes AD down. AD can shoot. And also he's, he's more likely to go direct from the post um, yep. against you. And so having the smaller defender puts you at it. At it. It's, it's interesting there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for me, it's, it's going to come down to, can you keep your best offensive lineups on the floor without them being disasters on the other end? Like you said, like, can you keep your Dragic and one of Robinson here on the floor together without LeBron hunting you like mercilessly. You, you, you basically can't play switch all, all, all three of those perimeter no, you guys can play together. And I'm also going to, I'm also interested to see how much they try and I'll be interested to see if they throw zone at the Lakers. Well, honestly. I mean, we obviously saw so much of it and that last series is very effective. Like, that's but they, more did, zone they didn't than... do it against Milwaukee, and I no. I don't know if if I honestly because I I honestly don't recall too much. I, I think Denver would occasionally go to it, but like I'm interested to see if they try that, especially when they have Robinson on the floor to keep LeBron from like hunting him in mismatches and switches. Um, but also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they try not to. Uh, Try not to give up the switches on those LeBron KCP type screens. Like Denver was just handing them switches too often in that. Yeah, uh, they, were, they were they were way they too were passive. Letting that. Jamal Murray, letting Jamal Murray get switched off, and Jeremy Grant go with KCP. And I think the only one you switch, for me anyway, is the AD one. If you have, let's say, I'm going to assume Crowder starts on LeBron. Yes. I and you so have too. Bam on AD. You switch that because Bam's going to be, you know, give LeBron some trouble if, if they're out there and, and Crowder is 
going to have a size mismatch, but you know, AD's not real assertive coming off of that role uh, in, in getting himself to a spot. So I don't really worry too much about that. Um, that's the one I would switch, but you just, you, you, you can't let LeBron hunt Dragic and hero and those guys, especially given that you're not really worried about those guys, you know, immediately popping out and shooting on you, you know, KCP might, but you kind of live with that if they're going for that, but like Caruso and Rondo and these guys, when they come to try to give that switch off, like you, you just got to play through that. I, I hate this, like switch everything defense. Everybody plays. You're just handing the matchups that they want. And LeBron's too good at hunting the matchups to do that. And we talked about this going into the Boston series was we knew that Brad Stevens was going to go at those matchups um, and really try to exploit that. And I thought they did a good job at times, but I do think the heat adjusted and we're a little less willing to give them the switches. Um, and, and I think they have to be real vigilant, especially on the weak kind of off, you know, not real action switches that, that Denver was just handing them with Jamal Murray. Yeah. Boston did it uh, a lot more than Milwaukee did, but still, like you said, they, they adjusted to it. And I think, you know, credit to Spolster, who's really good at his job. Um, he's going to have some stuff, I'm sure, that they've game planned, especially early in the series, that will be some wrinkles that the Lakers haven't seen. It was the zone in the last series that was, you know, we've basically right. never seen that much zone ever in a high-level playoff series, basically yeah. in the history of the league. And it, it ended up working enough. I mean, again, they didn't really stop Boston that much, but sure. it was just it was just enough to throw them well, off think, at all times. And uh, that's kind of the thing cool. was creating. They they were much better at creating turnovers when they went to the zone. And I mean, that's kind of the thing is like, if you're giving up the same number of points, but you're creating turnovers and opportunities going the other way, that's just a bet. That's, that's the better option, you know? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think that was the thing. They, they have to make, I mean, this is not rocket science, but they Sorry. have to uh, not let LeBron do everything he wants to do, which is going to be what he's going to do. Cause LeBron's very smart. Um, yes. And obviously it's going to pivot to some degree on the Lakers guys making shots. And everyone knows this, this is not breaking, uh, breaking no. news, but like KCP has been good in the playoffs. Uh, but like guys like Rondo have been shooting the ball pretty well. That I don't know if that's going to continue. Found um, money every time Rondo hits one of those step backs. Yeah. I mean, Kuzma's at 31% in the playoffs from three. He's, he's been a disaster. Make some shots. I am not a Kuzma guy. He's been kind of bad. Uh, yeah. He's, I mean, uh, he was, he was good in that first series. Right. Uh, and then he stopped cutting. Yeah, he got a lot of attention, and I think rightly so for picking up on defense. He's been better defensively in the bubble than he was previously, yeah. but offensively he's not giving them much. And it's yeah. it's going to be down at some point. There'll probably be a game in this series where like Caruso and Rondo and Kuzma have to make a couple shots, um, mm -hmm. and we'll see. And even Danny Green, like Danny Green, is a guy who I've always enjoyed, but he's not been fantastic in this playoff right. run. So that's very obvious analysis, but it's also. I think the primary stuff the Lakers do, the Heat will have some answers for. It's just when everything breaks down on LeBron, Ken Hunt, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero, he's going to do it, and he's not going to let up. That's the thing about LeBron that he, we, we, we even saw that in the last series with Denver. When yep. Porter Jr. was on the court, it was just, we're going to go at you over and over and over mm -hmm. again, and you can't stop us. And yeah. and that, yeah, that, that's, something, that's something we have, we have not seen from Milwaukee um, and Boston as much. Boston did it a little bit, but LeBron is just going to be merciless, and he should be. And that's the way to do this because yep. Miami doesn't have a guy as bad as Porter with that, but they just have guys who have limitations defensively.
Well, it's lim- it's limitations, and then like it's just no chance against LeBron, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, they're, they're, you know, you'll, you'll get some effort, you know, you'll get a better effort than Porter Jr. Well, from, yeah, P- Porter stuff, which is actually, I mean, he's, it's he's mental just, stuff he's with him. Disaster. Right. It's, it's mental with him in a way that it wouldn't be with the Miami guys. I think the Miami guys will execute much better. It's just that. No, I'm just saying, but in one-on-one situations, I, if LeBron puts his shoulder into Duncan Robinson's chest, like, Right. I, I love R. Duncan. I, I, actually, I actually think Duncan's kind of underrated defensively. Like He's not absolutely a disaster because he's kind sure. of big. But him and Tyler Hero and, and Dragic, and if, if they somehow try to play Kendrick Nunn, all four of those guys in this series. I don't think, I don't think Nunn plays this series. They, he they, he no shouldn't re- play. He you absolutely have no reason. Play. You have no reason um, to. Well, and same thing with what we said earlier. If they do end up trying Olenek or if they do end up trying Myers Leonard to try to give you some more size, those right. are guys that are also flashing lights for LeBron. Um, to try to go at it's not just LeBron either. It's obviously AD and other things, but LeBron's orchestra. I will show. say I will say this: AD AD has AD. That's the one thing I want AD to learn from LeBron is like go at guys. Yeah, he like, he he is he'll have, passive he'll have when he gets half. when he gets switches, right. man. He, he gives he guys a, bailouts. He takes those horrific nineteen foot jumpers. I was gonna say he's he's now convinced, and because it it worked a lot in the playoffs, oh, AD thinks he's Kevin Durant on these like, uh, like pull up twenty footers, and it's you know he can make that shot, but he definitely has conceded. He's so a little streaky bit. though. Yeah, like he he had that he's he had that be start that. he had that start where he was like making it was it I was it game four or game five, where he was just like making every I think it was game five where he just made everything and then like. As the Nuggets started to come back, it was because AD was still shooting horrible push shots and jump shots, and like suddenly he's missed five in a row after he made seven. You know, it's like, right, go to the basket, man. Uh, he he has like, to be Bam's, more. Assertive. Bam's gonna bait him into it. Well, I mean, and and the stuff it's lazy. I mean, the the Weber Reggie stuff about his rebounding. Like, I don't I don't care about that. Like, please leave sure. me alone with the aggressiveness stuff with AD. But this this is a this is a scenario where it actually is like he has to take advantage of mismatches and he can't let them play him the way that they were playing him at times and getting away with it in this series. I think he won't have that problem. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I just, I think Miami will have a game or two where their scheme and Spo and some shooting luck help them. But I just, I am skeptical. Maybe you disagree, but I, I I'm skeptical. That they're going to be able to stop the Lakers enough to, when if they if yeah. Miami doesn't shoot the heck out of the ball, you know there are no, ways I'm, for Miami to outscore the Lakers, think, but it's just defensively I don't see it. No, I'm with you. I think this is the series that that they have to just make sure catch, catch fire. <laughs> I mean that's yes. that's the that's that's their chance. You know, I mean I, I'm with you. I think you look at the defensive matchup and, and and I'm with you. They have some intriguing pieces to throw, but like you said, like LeBron's just so good at picking out your weak point and attacking Dude. it. <laughs> And over and over and over and over. I mean, like he was doing terrible things to Jamal Murray. Um, well, yeah, and, and he clearly on purpose at some point. By the oh, by the way, uh, to your to this point, uh, did you, there was a tweet? I can't remember who it was. It was a it was a prominent writer today. I can't remember who it was, but talked about how uh, you know the Heat have uh, all these uh, guys who know LeBron the best uh, defensively, and that's going to be the X factor of the series. And, and I, I will say this: they do have options to throw at LeBron as a primary defender between Crowder and Iguodala and Bam if they want to, or Derek Jones Jr. They have some options for primary guys, but with LeBron, it, it isn't usually about primary guy. I mean, it's sometimes about that. If he has a primary guy that can't, that can't handle him at all, 
that's a problem. Oh, but sure. really, it's the fact that he can do he can orchestrate things. It's not necessarily because again, like not not many teams have Crowder and Iguodala to throw at LeBron. I will grant you that. It's just that if well, he's not going to use that matchup. Well, yeah, but like the thing is, early in the series, Jeremy Grant was doing a great job on him, and then LeBron was yeah. like, "Oh, we can just run a crappy screen with Contavious Caldwell Pope and <laughs> poof, poof, I can get here's you Jamal me. Murray switching." I it, I was like yelling at my TV. I was like, why are you not fighting over these screens? What are like at some point, And this is the one thing that I will expect Spolster to do that. So many coaches won't with their defense is vary what you do and make exceptions to rules. So many teams are just like, they simplify it because they don't want guys to get out of their element. And they're like, okay, like we're just going to switch. If they set the screen, you switch and we deal with it. And it's like with LeBron, you just you just have to make an exception, okay? Well, and also, go, if you have also a go plan, under sometimes. Like sure, LeBron, yeah, LeBron is a jump shooter. He got hot. That's a winner in Game Five, but sure. you have to make LeBron shoot jump shots. Usually, he might he might make them, and he might beat you. I, I understand, but, but percentage guess what? That's wise, better you have than to make him, him just driving on Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray twenty times. Yes, you have to make a, him shoot pull ups, especially long twos. Like long twos are gold. Oh, he, he and he was settling for so many early in right. Denver series. Like he'll do it, he'll give it to you. Like if you just sink off, which is like the funniest thing was, I think the player that had the most success switching on to LeBron was Jokic because Jokic is just like, okay, I stand at the elbow. Oh yeah, Jokic here's just twelve give you a jump shot, feet, and that's the way to do it. feet of space, LeBron, and LeBron's like, uh, well, all right, and he would like walk into these terrible shots, and he and, can like, make them, but it's it's not a situation where. That that is the best case scenario. If LeBron's yeah. on the court, the best thing that you can possibly have happen realistically is have him settle for like semi-contested jump shots. You know, mm-hmm. if he's if he's off the court, obviously we'll see if the Lakers can score. If LeBron's off the court, but honestly, he's going to play forty plus minutes of the game in the series. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was looking at some on-off stats today. Like the Lakers stuff is what you expect it to be. You know, the Lakers good players. They're awesome when they play, and they're not as good when they when they don't. The, the Heat were a little bit more interesting. Um. They basically are not good when Bam sits, which is not a big surprise. Not a, not but like Hero and Crowder both have pretty big splits to the wrong side, which you might mm. be surprised by if you just heard all of the uh, you know, for instance, all Jeff Van Gundy Jeff Van Gundy oh. believes that Tyler Hero is the his, second coming his of Jesus. New son, his new son, Tyler Hero. I, and, I look forward to Clipper Clipper coach Jeff Van Gundy trading Paul George for Tyler Hero. I mean, it really is like to the point of comedy with that, which is fine. Uh, we all we all have the guys we like. But Hero's fine, but they've actually been better with Duncan on the court and without Crowder. It's been Equidala minutes where they've been making some gains. Uh, you know, some of that's a small sample size noise, but lineups are going to be huge as they always are. I, I trust Vo- – I, I think Frank Vogel is good. I, I would say the one of the matchups – one of the advantages that the Heat have is, is head coach, and that's not a shot at Frank Vogel. It's just that Spo is really, really good. Maybe um, the best coach in the league right now? Yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse is the guy everyone points to, and he's awesome too, but I suppose on the short list for sure. Uh, yeah. And he has been underrated for a long time. So that's an advantage. I don't know. It's We can do this all day. But I, I think the Lakers are better. I just, I oh, just yeah. do. I think they're better. I think they should be favored. We should, if, it, it would not be me and you if we, if we talk about the series price at some point. Um, the Lakers opened like minus 400-ish, and uh-huh. that seemed a little bit high. That seemed a little bit aggressive to me. I think the Heat were probably the, the, the side value-wise on that. Um, it's gone down, which is predictable. I think people saw that and were like, wait, uh, that's, that's too high. Um, and they're probably playing, you know, Vegas is playing to the Laker crowd because the Laker fans mm-hmm. are in Las Vegas, but, 
what what would the number be for you on this series? Like what kind of, what percentage chance, what, what's the money line where you would consider taking Miami? Because I think it's, they definitely win the series less than half the time for me, but at a certain point, uh, the number gets out of whack and they, they become the value side. Um, I, I would say the Lakers at least like 67%. Yeah. So basically two thirds of the time they, uh, yeah. they win. I mean, that's, what's that like? Three three fifty or so. Um, actually, no, sixty seven percent. Um, is actually like you're laying like two twenty. Really? Yeah, because if you okay, yeah, and so if like so for instance, three, uh, minus three hundred is seventy five percent implied odds. Okay. That's so I I always screw up the implied. No, that that one's hard. It's uh, but you know they opened again. They opened like minus four. Yeah, so I'd say I'd say. Then yeah, like I'd say like somewhere in that seventy seventy five percent range. So like three yeah, in that three hundred range is where I'd be most. I think is is around where I'd have the Lakers. Well, and, and if you think that Miami is the side, and you think they're going to win what thirty percent of the time, mm-hmm. you only need to get like plus two you know, plus 270-something to play them. I think that's a value bet. Um, I think I wouldn't be, like, in a rush to do that. I thought it was when – I think the first number I saw was minus 425, 350. um, And 350 would be enough for me to take Miami. Um, The current number I've seen recently, like I'm looking right now, it's – I think it's down around – looking around the, the market as we speak here. Mm-hmm. Ribbing podcasting on a Monday night. Um, it's the best stuff. But, you know, it has. we have to talk about gambling. It's what we do on this podcast when you're around. It sure is. Uh, but, yeah, um, it's just being slow at the moment. But I finally got it. And, uh, yeah, it's bottom line has a minus 350 and plus 280, which kind of seems right. I think the value is probably gone now on Miami. I bet not. I, I don't know where this is from, but I've got, I, like – Vegas Insider, wherever Vegas Insider's pulling their future stuff, which is usually like sportsbook, HE yeah, or somewhere, something. Somewhere down there. It's it's four fifty three seventy five. That that's what that's what uh I believe that's what that's what Westgate opened on Sunday night because I I was I saw that and I was like I raised my eyebrow like wow that's that's high, and I think yeah, it's I would go Miami down. there. Yeah, that, that's um, that's a number where I would take Miami. I think the current offshore price that I just read, like, that's not a value either way. I don't think, because um, mm-hmm. I think they're, I think the Lakers probably win the series seventy percent of the time. Yeah, I think, I think that's. I'm at, I'm, at that, I'm in that sixty-seven. I, you could you could talk me in the sixty-seven to seventy seventy-five percent. So, yeah, that kind of tells you. I mean, my my, my official prediction. Uh, you know what? Give, Lake, give give me yours first for games, Lakers. Lakers in six. Lakers in six. I mean, it's, I I always keep, I keep reminding myself that the, uh, the normal convention doesn't matter in terms of like road team uh, in Uh six or home team in seven. Uh, I am going to say, but that sounds right. I think I I don't want to say the same thing you did, but that does seem kind of accurate. I wouldn't be surprised by Lakers in five and like a tight five. Cause I mean, the thing that I really want to see is how these fourth quarters shake out. Um, Because, like the heat have dominated those, but that, that doesn't happen often to LeBron teams. Like it's kind of, a, they, they haven't been great in fourth quarters, um, but they haven't needed a lot of fourth quarters. So I think those, those numbers are skewed. 
uh, by some garbage time stuff in well, some of the it, early series. It also could be, you know, you mentioned Lakers in five. The Lakers only have a plus five net rating against, against the Nuggets and one in five games. So, like, right. they, you can they, have a competitive five-game series, and that's kind of what that was. The Lakers were the better yes. team, but they didn't just, like, murder them the entire mm-hmm. series. It was fairly competitive. I could see that happening where the Lakers win three Agreed. close games. You might get one blowout, and they win in five. That, that, that would not surprise me at all. And I, I think I'm probably yeah. closer to that than seven. Yes, um, I think Lakers six is where six, I because it, w- it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if Miami gets one of the early ones. Like I think my ideal scenario for betting a series price is Miami wins game one, and then I just hop on the Lakers number. Buyout. Yeah, it, I, I will say this: I, I will almost assuredly be recommending a Lakers series price bet if they lose game one. It's oh, the same yeah. thing as the as the first two series. They lost they lost game one, and it was like, oh, the panic, and then they were the better team. Now, again, we both said this, but it's worth saying again. Miami can win this series. Uh, we're not running off Miami. They can win this series no, in a way that they, um, they've got they've, they've got a shot again. Good. I just think this is the series that, if they are going to win, it has to be the Miami got hot series, which it might be a good thing that they haven't had that yet. Like that, yeah. Might, I mean, that we, might we saw, bode we well. Maybe they individual too. guys. I mean. Obviously, the hero, the hero game was one example of him, him just going ballistic. Duncan had a half or two in the series where he just couldn't miss. But as a team, they haven't had that barrage yet. Jimmy wasn't incredible in the Eastern Conference Finals. He had some Jimmy moments, but he was not like a takeover situation. I actually wonder – this is the last thing I'll ask you before we get out of here, but we've already talked too long. But does, does Le- I'm, assuming, I'm assuming LeBron guards Jimmy in fourth quarters. Well, I think this is the really interesting thing about Miami that's different from uh, these other series is like, I would, I would assume LeBron takes Jimmy, but you can, you can throw some lives on the floor and because Miami doesn't, they never go to the same guy over and over. Like Jimmy's had some great fourth quarters, but they have four guys that have scored five points per fourth quarter in the playoffs the most of any team by a lot. The Lakers have two, uh, obviously, in there too. And then I think Rondo's third at like four. So, like, it's really interesting because they can, you know, if you play, if you send, you know, LeBron at, at, at Jimmy, they might just park Jimmy in the corner and, and run him through some action on occasion uh, and, and try to keep LeBron from being a help guy and say, okay, like, Hero's going to have, KCP or Danny Green and Dragic is going to have Rondo or Caruso and like you know I, I think they're going to try to attack whatever matchup is most favorable um, down the stretch and, and I think that makes it really interesting in how you attack them because uh, it, it was something I wrote about before the, the Boston series is I was like who does Marcus Smart guard and I think it has to change based on your matchup it uh, or or based on based on how Miami's playing because there are going to be nights where you want them on Jimmy. There are going to be nights where you want them on Dragic and giving ball pressure. Um, there are going to be put, nights. They, they put him on hero at one point when hero was going you crazy. Want him on like, hero. He was yeah. on Duncan early in games to try and keep him out of, out of rhythm early. And I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I think, I think the thing that if you're Miami, you're going to want to do is, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to run these like Lakers roll guys around and it's going to be tough for the Lakers roll guys to have the legs on offense. 
because like it's tough to run around with Duncan Robinson and then go shoot for yourself. And like, that's what Danny Green's going to have to do. And I think that's part of the reason Danny Green hasn't shot well in the playoffs is he's almost always on the best shooter on defense. Cause he knows how to do that. Cause he's that kind of player. He sticks with you on, you know, he'll face guard, he'll run around screens. He'll do all that, but it takes a lot out of him. And I think it, I think we've seen that in his three point shooting, especially at this age. Um, he exerts so much energy on that end. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to see. And, and, you know, Caruso is obviously a much better defender than he is a shooter uh, or, or offensive player outside of his cutting. Um, and, you know, if you can take the legs out of some of those shooters, I think that helps Miami out a ton uh, on, on offense. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. But like you said, like Lakers have two best players in the series. Um, and and I, I just think unless Miami shoots the lights out, that's their way to get this done. Uh, I, I just think the Lakers get get four in, in the first five or six here. There you go. I will give you the last word on that. Thank you for joining me as always, my friend. Anything to plug on the podcast? I know the podcast is back. We're cooking on the college football side of things as well as uh, rolling along. Writing, so. Rolling along. Uh, yeah, we're you know we're writing about the F- football and basketball. Football and basketball uh, on on uprocks.com. We got. Uh, uh, we launched uh, a new uh, our, our new my cover thing with Colin Sexton. Had him kind of editorially direct, uh, creatively direct his own like photo shoot that he did, and then uh, a feature from uh, our indomitable editor Martin Rickman, the, the god Martin Rickman, legend. Uh, so so that that is something that we're doing. We've got a couple 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 draft ones coming down the hopper, so that might be something interesting. Uh, Hawks fans will want to see with a couple guys that I, I don't know if I'm allowed to to no, say who we've got, uh, but you know, just keep an eye on that. A couple guys that the Hawks could have eyes on in the first round um, that that will have cover stories on and some 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 big features coming down the road towards the towards the draft time. Um, and uh, yeah, punt cast. We're 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 rocking and rolling, uh, picking college football games before they drop off the face of the earth. Yeah. Uh, go sports. Sports. Thank you for joining me, my friend. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. See you later on this week.